Hi everyone, welcome to the Desi Crime Podcast. I'm Ashwarya, your host for this episode. And I'm Aryan. Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash desicrime and subscribe to help run this podcast. For those of you that are already patrons on Patreon, thank you so much for any contributions you make. It means the world to us. And we are back with yet another episode of your favorite segment, our favorite segment, the segment of your creepy, insane, horror, paranormal stories that keep us up at night, that keep our entire Desi community up at night. Welcome to another episode of Chai and Jitti. So, a couple of things right off the bat, Ishwara. Firstly, uh, we haven't forgotten your additional episode, guys. Don't worry. So, we recently interviewed <laughs> um, Pakistan's first true crime podcasters. These ladies, whose name I shall keep anonymous so until the case comes out, have been working on a particular case, a true crime mystery based in Pakistan for a while now. And this case comes right from the depths of Karachi. So pending a few other technical things, this episode will be out for you soon in addition to the weekly episodes. So, you know, just hang in there. That's really cool. And you guys may not know these are details in the back of Aryan's kind of episode workings that I am also usually not aware of. So I'm excited to find out who these podcasters are and what their connection is to Aryan's crazy new episode. And the second thing is, uh, Ashwara and I are in India for, what, two or three more months, Ashwara? Yep, that's right. Yeah, about two, three more months. Um, I think four or five months for me. And uh, while we are here, which rarely uh, do we crisscross in our India <laughs> uh, voyages, we want to meet all of you. And we're planning a Delhi meetup. And so we posted an Instagram story and we saw, you know, enough interest to organize one at a cafe and we'll sell tickets. We will do a live challenge a live um, new true crime case, as well as a meet and greet, questions and answers and a whole lot of fun. Um, so write in the comments or DM us to show if you're interested and we'll accordingly go about planning. Yeah, we're super, super excited about that. I've been seeing y'all's responses and how many of y'all are in our vicinity. And there's so many of you. It'll actually be really cool as a first meet and greet Absolutely. for all of us to get to know you guys. Yeah. But before we get into, you know, live uh, Chai and Chitties, let's stick with this pre-recorded one, Ashwara. Which, what's the it. first story you have for us today? All right, Aran. The first story I have is actually beautifully color-coded with the text all Ooh, subdivided okay, and nicely okay, put together. Okay. This is a fancy writer in our midst. And the subject line reads, An entity slapped my mother. The email continues, Hey, Aryan and Ashwarya, I am RT from Hyderabad. Not Arti, by the way, R and T. Oh, okay. I started listening to fictional podcasts related to crime back in 2021 and then decided to switch to some real stuff. I'm into forensics and criminology since I'm a biology student. I really wanted to be a part of your Patreon, but since I'm a student living with my parents, I'm broke as fuck. 
Trust me, I understand. And Patreon's not the only support we need from you guys. Any kind of love you give to us means the world to us, and we love you all just the same. Of course, exactly. Just the patrons a little bit more. No, <laughs> no, no, we love all of you the same. <clears throat> yes, we love all of you the same, Aryan. <laughs> The email continues. You guys have got me hooked. I binge listened to all of your episodes in November 2022. Absolutely love your guys's hard work. Much love. Thank you. That's an adorable beginning message. We love your beginning messages to all of these emails. Thank you so much. Keep them coming. The story begins. So this is my personal experience, an experience that my family has had too much, but less number of times when compared to me. Let's get into the story. A little background on my current residence. I live on the first floor and there have been two deaths in my building, none in my apartment, but one in the flat in front of mine and the other on the second floor. It all started in 2017 when my dad felt terribly sick due to his neurological condition. I was left home alone multiple times while my mother and older sibling took my dad to the hospital. I was 12 back then and a scaredy cat too. One day while I was home alone my mother left some chores for me to do. It was around 7 or 8 in the evening and I was in the kitchen. From the kitchen my room the dining room and the living room are pretty much seen. As I was washing my hands before leaving the kitchen I saw something in my peripheral vision sprint into my room from the washroom which was opposite to my room. I got startled and stopped dead in my tracks for 2 minutes which felt like forever. I then gathered courage to go check while reciting the Hanuman Chalisa. Aryan, another Hanuman Chalisa reciter Absolutely. in the midst of scary experiences. Yep. Aryan is that person. Yep. yep. I turned the lights in my room on to see, but there was nothing. I shrugged it off and waited for my family to return. I didn't tell them because who believes a child? This happened three or four times again after that, and then it stopped. Fast forward to 2020 when things went downhill for 15-year-old me. I was severely sick and was in and out of the hospital every other week. I was diagnosed with a cardiac ailment for which I was prescribed sedatives to ease the pain. I also felt mentally sick as many of us did during the COVID lockdowns. I started hallucinating a lot. I would see silhouettes of people sitting on a chair in my room. I see silhouettes hanging from the ceiling fan, but when I checked again, there would be nothing. So I shrugged it off as a symptom of my mental illness. As an Indian, I couldn't share this mental illness thing with my parents for obvious reasons. Things got worse and I got more and more restless. I kept seeing random silhouettes all the time even when I wasn't home alone. But the thing that bothered me was all this happened only in my room. I could sometimes feel someone blow warm air into my ear and whisper gibberish. I started sleeping with my mother and also told my family about my experiences and all of us thought that it was side effects of those medications and nobody thought much of it. After things went back to normal, I went back to sleeping alone. One summer night in 2021 when I was physically better but mentally sicker, I was as usual sleeping in my room alone while my mother and sibling slept on the floor. Indian thing during summer. <laughs> I woke up around 2:30 or 3:30 a.m. and felt very very groggy, an unexpected type of groggy. I asked my mother to come sleep beside me for the rest of the night and so she did. Note, my mother falls asleep very quickly. So 5 minutes into sleeping there, I was still wide awake and feeling groggy when my mother started whispering. 
She does that when she has nightmares or sees her dead relatives in her dreams. I always wake her up to calm her down, so I did it this time too. But this time, she said, I'm awake. Someone slapped me. My cheek hurts. She said this while pointing at the door. There's some white thing. It slapped me. I said, Mummy, it's nothing. You must be dreaming. But she insisted that she was actually slapped, so I turned the light on to see. There was an actual red mark on my mother's cheek. I had goosebumps and chills down my spine, but I didn't tell her right away. I told her later in the morning. My mother and sibling then started connecting dots. They connected my experiences with what happened with my mother. Since then, whoever sleeps in that room, including guests, even for five minutes, falls sick for days, be it a headache or a sore throat. That room was where my father slept when he felt terribly sick. That was the same damn room where I slept when I felt mentally and physically sick. My sibling wakes up with some kind of sickness if he ever naps there, and same with my mother. I still see the silhouettes, but I'm used to it now. I just get shocked for a second and then go back to normal. We're planning to hold a haven for it if there's any kind of spirit in the house to go away. I don't know if anyone finds this scary. I do, but my experience did scare the fuck out of me. I hope this grabs your attention because this story is 101% true. I love you guys a lot. Um, you know, I was about to chime in and say uh, there are psychosomatic interactions uh, when it comes to dreams. So, for example, um, a common psychosomatic uh, dream can be getting shot in your dream and waking up with chest pain, like a mm-hmm. sharp pain yep. in your chest. Now, that of course doesn't mean you were shot in real life or a ghost sat on your show, you know, on your chest. So, it's merely a psychosomatic interaction. I was about to say that is what happened to the mother, but that doesn't explain the red marks on her face and it that doesn't. takes it into a creepy direction. And I personally know someone very, very close to me who's actually experienced something similar and woken up with a mark on their arm mm. from a dream they were seeing of someone terrifying in their dream. So this is something that really caught my attention. Mm. Um, and I guess it's it's one of the many ways that we feel like the supernatural world interacts with us. And the most terrifying of those is a mark on your body. I, I don't think there's anything quite as scary as that. And so I hope you're okay now. I hope your health gets better. I hope your family's health gets better. I hope nobody ever sleeps in that room again. But good luck to you and your family. We love you. Ishwara, after Fez, and no no hate on Fez. I know the listeners no, aren't particular no fans of Fez. But, <laughs> you know, after the Fez incident, um, I'm more attuned to how the writing of a particular story to mm-hmm. me, conveys is there is it honest or not? Sometimes just the way it's written, the story you narrated has that element of just an innocent retelling of one's experiences. It does, yeah. The story I have for you also shares that element of just an honest retelling of a Let's rather ghastly experience. So the story goes: Hello, Aran and Ashwarya. First, let me express my gratitude for your captivating podcast. I discovered it a month or two ago, and since then, I've been completely hooked. I'm 14 years old, and I've always been fascinated by supernatural and crime-related stories. I consider myself empathetic, and this characteristic has been acknowledged by various fortune tellers. Today, I would like to share a chilling incident that occurred involving my mother. To provide some context, my mother used to reside in a small town near Khajuraho called Chhatarpur in Madhya Pradesh. 
Although the town was relatively underdeveloped, the residents were highly educated and didn't pay much heed to supernatural phenomena. My mother had a close friend, Rhea, whose sister, let's refer to her as Sangeeta, was like an elder sister to my mother. Sangeeta was preparing to get married, but as the wedding day approached, her behavior became increasingly peculiar. She would discard the haldi during the ceremony, which is essentially turmeric that is used during ceremonial procedures, and refused to apply mehendi as well. Initially, everybody attributed her actions to wedding stress, but her behavior persisted even after the wedding. After spending just two days with her in-laws, Sangeeta was sent back to my parents' home. Concerned, someone suggested seeking the assistance of a Jyotishi or an astrologer. The astrologer claimed that Sangeeta had been targeted by, you know, drumroll, obviously, black magic. But his assertion was met with skepticism. And this is the part of the story where I go, okay, this is a rational bunch of people who aren't immediately follow, you know, falling for the everything is black magic explanation. <laughs> Weeks turned into months and Sangeeta's behavior remained unchanged. Strangely enough, though, she became pregnant during the two days she spent with her husband. Throughout her pregnancy, which lasted a whole nine months, continued exhibiting abnormal conduct, causing people to label her as quote-unquote mad. During a visit to her best friend's house, my mother encountered Sangeeta sitting on her knees with her hair let loose and eyes wide open. She greeted Sangeeta, Jeez. but there was no response. My mother, aware of her state, proceeded upstairs to meet her friend Rhea. When she returned downstairs after a while, Sangeeta exclaimed, quote, How could you leave without meeting me, Rajni? My mother was taken aback and upon looking down, realized... Her feet were facing the opposite direction. No. The quintessential witch, right? Ashwara, or a yep. scary movie or scary. If anyone has ever watched an Indian yeah. movie, I don't know if this is a Western movie thing, but I've noticed this in Indian horror movies a lot. This feet being feet turned being the turned. other way. I think it's also a Western thing in the Exorcist. Yeah, the Exorcist. The Exorcist. Movies, but yeah. it's terrifying. Um, my mother was shocked. She was unable to move. Gazed at her feet. And then at Sangeeta, who was like a sister to her. Shortly after, Sangeeta's sister Rhea came downstairs and rushed my mother outside. Rhea was sobbing uncontrollably and showed my mother her hands and feet, revealing deep scratches that almost revealed the underlying muscles. Rhea explained that she had become angry with her sister's behavior and tried to force her to pray in the temple room. In response, Sangeeta resisted and inflicted severe scratches upon Rhea. Finally, Sangeeta's parents decided to seek the help of a tantric from, I think the city is pronounced Panana, shortly before Diwali. By this time, Sangeeta had given birth to a son. The tantric explained that Sangeeta was possessed by two spirits, not one, but two. A relative had performed, get this, she got haunted on the basis of technicalities, Ashwarya. A relative had performed a ritual known as Bhut Jhadane Ke Baad, a ritual performed to ward off nearby spirits. So, not black magic, but the antithesis actually. Oh my but God. after the ritual, right. the relative inadvertently touched Sangeeta's feet, leading to the possession. According to the Tantric, one spirit was malevolent and caused her unusual behavior, while the other spirit was benevolent and aided her in giving birth. 
the tantric advised her parents to protect her until the four days of Diwali festivities concluded as he no longer had the power to control the spirits. He was confident that he could cure her after Diwali. Tragically, that day would never come. Perhaps the spirits sensed the impending removal or grew more powerful during that time. But whatever it was, Sangeeta managed to escape from the locked room where she was confined and attempted to jump off the roof twice. Fearing for her safety, family members resorted to tying her up in her room, locking it and securing the living room with heavy old wooden doors and metal grills. They went to sleep. But around 5am, the cows nearby began mooing frantically. Everyone awoke. The family members searched the entire house only to find all the heavy doors broken and wide open. The search continued for a full four hours until 9am when they discovered Sangeeta's lifeless body in the well adjacent to their house. She had tragically taken her own life. The incident continues to haunt my mother who recalls those moments vividly. It saddens her to witness the untimely demise of someone who was like a sister to her. Thank you very much, Angel. Aran, the entire time you were narrating that story, I was just with my fingers crossed, hoping Sangeeta and her baby were okay at the end of it. But that's incredibly unfortunate. And you know, guys, I really, really love all my supernatural horror stuff. But I'm not big into ghostly technicalities. So I wonder what the lore actually says on what makes one spirit good and another evil. I'm really curious about that. So if any of you all have answers to that, I would love to hear from you. But that's a terrifying story. It, it was reflective in some sense of the exorcism of Emily Rose, where again, yep. that poor uh-huh. girl was suffering from something, right? Um, supernatural or not, yep. there was actual suffering involved. Um, and the right. fact that that suffering eventually led to her death this this Sangeeta story kind of reminded me of that whether it was psychosis or if it was a possession nonetheless it led to a tragedy in the household and I hope your family has since moved on I hope your mother's doing better since that tragedy I can only imagine how hard that must be whatever the reason of the tragedy might have been but on that note on the note of terrible tragedies and scary stories let's move on to our next email the caption of this one reads, Chai and Chitti from Kashmir. Let's now, go. I actually personally love knowing where you're all from. So if you're all from different places, it just gives us a sense of how many yeah. places our podcast being heard in, you know, where all the demography is from. So let us know where you're all from. It's really cool to know that. And this one comes right from Kashmir. The email starts. Hi, guys. I'm S from Kashmir. I recently started listening to your podcast and have become hooked. The storytelling is awesome and your podcast has become my routine in my boring life. You guys have awesome voices, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm sure Aran loves hearing that compliment. That's such a backhanded comment from you while I'm (laughs) munching on watermelon and can't even defend myself. Yeah, I don't know what Aran's eating. I'm eating walnuts, almonds, watermelon and yogurt. Guys, from where I'm standing, it looks like a strawberry soft (laughs) serve from McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so don't take his word for it. No, no, no. I would never, I would never eat that. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, I'll take the compliment. Hey, why not? Yes, thank you. We're glad you like our voices. The email continues. Okay, so my story is that of my younger sister. Let's call her P, who is 14 years old. She recently visited our old house in our village, which is about two hours away from the main city. It's located further into the mountains and is a fairly small village. My sister stayed over there for a few days and when she came back, we noticed a change in her. 
she wouldn't speak much and mind you she is one of the most active and talkative persons i know and would keep to herself all the time my mother was very worried and because she is the youngest it bothered us all my mother started asking her about her stay and she would just ignore all the questions soon we had to attend a function at my relative's place there something very weird happened while driving our car touched a steel gate and made a screeching noise we all joked about it and as we were moving i turned to look at my sister i saw a sight i can never forget she was holding her arms over her ears shivering and screaming inaudibly i panicked and held her close and took her to my dad as soon as we reached home her heart was beating fast and she refused to talk or even look at anyone my father held her close and slept with her that night because she wouldn't stop hugging his body then something even weirder happened my mother looking for some clothes in p's luggage found a plastic bag wrapped tightly in some clothes curious she opened it inside she found something that left her scarred unimaginable she saw a paper with writing in arabic a few dates and black solid pieces of something we couldn't understand my mother now cautious sent my sister to a peer or a religious man to get her checked and what he said left us shocked he said that my sister was under the influence of a very very bad woman we all finally got p to talk and what she told us gave me sleepless nights P recounts that when she was in that house in our village she started noticing a lot of weird stuff around her. Once when she was leaving a room she turned to see a woman she had never seen before praying in a corner. Not knowing how the woman entered the room as she had been there forever she ran out to bring our caretaker in. There was no one in the room. Soon after stranger things started happening. While going to her room on the second floor she saw two children playing in a small tub on the stairs of the topmost floor choking it up to just a hallucination she ignored it that night unable to sleep as she turned to change sides she looked at the ceiling and what she saw broke her she claims she saw a pair of feet hanging off the ceilings she took a deep breath and closed her eyes When she opened them the feet had moved towards the corner. She closed her eyes and kept them tightly shut till she fell asleep. What scared me though was what happened on the last day. Wanting to use the bathroom she tried to open the bathroom door. Now this door used to be jammed a lot of times so she pushed it and managed to open it. Getting in she saw something that made her scream and run back. She saw a tall slender man standing behind the door with his arms up in the air. As soon as my parents got to know all of this there was a lot of activity in the following weeks. She's a child and we were all so worried about her. But after a few visits to another peer, P was better. We are all still very careful around her and it was made sure that nobody visited that house alone ever again. P.S. We found out that it was P who had put the plastic bag in her luggage. A kid she had found it in her clothes when she was in the village and had just kept it with her because she didn't understand what to do with it. As told by the peer, we threw it in moving water. We suspect it to have been black magic. And that's the end of that story. A terrifying story. The visuals in this one were just chilling and right out of a horror movie. Aran, 
Ashwarya, just like the feet turned around, there are certain visuals in the horror uh, genre that oh, are archetypal. Yeah. And the Slender Man, the feet hanging, these just make so for scary. a scarier story if it wasn't scary to begin with. Absolutely. Um, all right, let me take it home with this final story of the day. Let's a do lovely it. hello to Aran and Ashwarya and the whole Desi Crime family listening to these podcasts. Thank you so much for creating Hi. this one-of-a-kind masterpiece of a show that many true crime and horror fans have been dying to get across for years. Both your narrative skills are commendable. Godspeed. Thank you so much, man. I am Rivanj and this is Shivangi, or hereby called Shivi in the story. Both of us are residents of Faridabad. And all my love for you just disappeared like that, Rivanj and Shivangi. Just, you, you didn't have to mention you live in Faridabad. <laughs> Aran, Aran is just placeless. <laughs> he doesn't like me because of Greater Noida. He doesn't like our I adorable listeners because of Faridabad. Like you. you live in Noida, I buddy. Not, firstly, <laughs> I I hate the part of me that lives in Noida, for starters. Secondly, <laughs> I don't hate Noida. Okay, come on. But I don't hate you for being in Greater Noida. It just shows poorly on you. I don't know how to explain that. All right. I, I, I think we're all blacklisting Aran. Everyone that's from Faridabad and Greater no, Noida no, is blacklisting Aran from hence. Funny thing is, these are the people. All the Delhi the people chuckling is, at you, no, Aran. No, I'm, I'm with the Delhi people. I love Delhi. They don't claim I you. I claim them. They, they are mine. <laughs> they are. We are. We are one. It's like brown Shura. people who feel like white people, but very white people are like, Shura. Shura. you're not very, one of us. Very, very different. Like you're comparing. Apples and oranges, but like literally. All right. But I, I just want to point out, I think this is the first email we have of two people introducing themselves together. I love that. Both of us are residents of Faridabad. I had to say that again. And huge fans of your work. We've been your true listeners ever since stumbling upon your Spotify podcast in July 22. Little by little, we've tried to compile the story, which dates back to 2006. This is a true story, and the details have been thoroughly cross-checked with all those involved. I love that. There was a beautiful house in Faridabad where Shivi once lived with her family. At that time, she was only seven years old. It was a three-story house with a single bedroom, a hall, a kitchen, and a washroom on the ground floor, whereas there were four large rooms on the first floor, one of which was locked when the family moved in, and there was a guest room on the second floor. There was also a backyard, and the only way to enter it was through the one room on the ground floor, basically a very typical Delhi NCR house. The staircase opened inside the house, in the living room, right in front of the kitchen. Mataji, as in her great-grandmother, being elderly, lived in the single room on the ground floor. This happy, cheerful home for the rest of the family wasn't as much for Mataji. She would be heard complaining about seeing a girl, wearing all white, standing in the backyard under the mulberry tree. She would also hear chuckles and giggles of a girl at night very often. She would sometimes cry at night, get terrified of those laughs, and one of the members had to calm her down and get her to sleep. Shivi's nani would try to venture out at night or before dawn to look for such a presence in the house, but to no luck. Nobody else in the house saw any such thing. Until later that year. Ishra, I don't know if you remember, but a very dear mutual friend of ours, um, her grandmother was subject to such hallucinations when she fell sick in old age. Yep, they live yeah. in a posh society, so it might be a function of old age and sickness, but that doesn't explain what happened a year later. 
As I earlier mentioned, there were four rooms on the first floor. Three of them were occupied by the family, except that single room, which was locked since the beginning. That room had no windows. Shivi, being a curious seven-year-old, would slightly slide a comb through the gap between the door and the floor when nobody was around. She would then ask Nani to get the door unlocked in order to retrieve the comb. But as we know, the door was locked and the keys resided with the owner, so Nani would refuse to open the door. But what felt odd to Shivi, even at that time, was the fact that she would not find any comb on looking through the gap with the help of a torch. She also remembers putting her hand through the gap, fiddling, searching for the comb, but to no success. And this happened not once, but twice. Now, there was another incident with her father. It was late at night, around two in the morning. He was in the drawing room on the ground floor. He recalls that he was watching TV and was all alone. The electricity went off, as happens in Delhi and CR all too often. Little did he know that the inverter belonging to the ground floor was broken at the time. There was pitch darkness on the ground floor except for a bit of light seeping in from the backyard and also from the staircase above. The very next moment, he said he saw a shadow like a figure projecting on the staircase wall. It was tall and dark. Another slender man, Ashwara. So her father, thinking it was her mamu, said... Which is to say, please come here, the inverter is broken down. The figure stood there, still. No movement at all. My father spoke again. Just come here, help me out. Again, nothing. The thing, that dark figure, just stood there. Her father sensed something was off. Why was Mamu standing motionless near the staircase? Suddenly, he saw the figure starting to move. It was getting bigger in size, as if it were descending. He got up from the sofa and began to move towards the stairs. He climbed a few. Terrified as he was, he still felt like grabbing the figure by the arm. What happened next gives him goosebumps till date. As soon as he propelled to get hold of that thing, he heard a very loud Shrieky laughter of a girl. And it was no. like someone had screamed right into his ears. Ishwara, my hair was standing as I read I have it. chills. Oh my God. He was startled. Almost fell off the stairs. He opened his eyes and within a split second, the electricity was back like that. There was nothing on the staircase. Now no shadow, no figure. He rushed to Mamu's room and asked him where he was a few seconds ago. Mamu told him that it was two at night and he was sleeping like everybody else in the house. Her father went on to narrate the whole story. He even asked the rest of the family members the next morning if anyone was using or was near the staircase when the incident occurred. Nobody was. Now we also have a Canada Wale Bade Mamaji which is basically an elder um, relative from Canada and he's one of those people who can feel, who can sense if there's a presence. He was once visiting the house. It was after the incident that had happened with her father and Mamaji could notice how things were a little eerie in this house. First, according to him, the house was not according to Vastu Shastra. And Vastu Shastra is like Feng Shui. It's, it's you know, the arrangement of the house. Yeah, Hindu, Hindu Feng, Feng Shui. Feng Shui. It's, um, 
you know the tantric alignment of the house and there are some re- you know legitimate origins both of feng shui and vastras like yeah. you know the orientation of where you place your feet and if you wake up to the sun darker areas are i mean you just you know you enter a certain place without knowing its history sometimes the vibes are off i think a lot of that has to do with architecture um rather than supernatural explanations but you know vastu shastra and feng shui aren't completely um silly things they have some rational basis to them i agree the stairs open in the drawing room and right in front of the kitchen the mulberry tree in the backyard is a big no no in vastu and to top it all off there was a mehendipur balaji picture mehendipur balaji is a temple um hanging on the drawing room wall and it was a big big picture now for those of you who don't know it is a well known fact that those who are possessed or haunted visit balaji temple for their exorcism there are many written folklore and exorcism stories about this place and according to the locals hmm. you can find a picture or a statue of balaji in houses or places that are said to be haunted he told every adult in the house that he sensed some wickedness some incomprehensible force in that house all those days that he lived there Shivy remembers exactly how he told everyone to gather in the drawing room and requested them to move out of that house asap and that's the story from our listeners in faridabad dr rivanch and shivy that is terrifying aran again a story of incredibly terrifying visuals yeah. we had a theme going across in this episode absolutely and i think with that we've come to an end to yet another giant chitti episode Absolutely scary like always thanks to all of you. And so for those who live in Faridabad and Delhi and CR and those of you who don't <laughs> stay safe stay crazy stay desi.